welcome back to a brand new episode of Esther Rising. My name is Yana, I am your host, and I thought there's no better time to drop this episode than around my birthday, because I think naturally we all sit ourselves down to reflect upon our journey. I recently came across this worship song, and I hadn't listened to it before, and it's called Look Around, and I'm going to link it in the show notes for you. In summation, the message of the song is, God is always faithful in every season, in every battle, and every blessing, and with him, all things are possible, and that he brought you from where you were to where you are today. And this song had me in tears of thanksgiving, probably for a solid hour. It made me realize the magnitude of God's work in my life, and truthfully, to fully praise Jesus for all that he has done for me would take much longer than this episode. Everything God does just has me in awe, and as busy humans, we can quickly forget just the practice of remembrance. So my intention for this episode is to give more so an all-rounder testimony, especially for new listeners that might have not had the chance to listen to all episodes beginning to end. And then I also want to catch you guys up on more recent testimonies and what is currently happening in my life and how God is currently moving. And if you are a day one listener, you know I have recorded my New Age to Jesus testimony in parts to just be more in-depth and specific when it came to certain New Age practices I was involved in. There was just so much. For the sake of this episode, I will condense that portion of my testimony. So the main reason I got into New Age was because I was looking for a deeper meaning to this life. Also to heal from certain experiences and it all started harmless with, you know, becoming more mindful through meditation, wanting to develop myself, be more at ease generally, trying to understand my purpose instead of just living in existence. And at first, meditations, seeing psychics, practicing yoga, chanting abundance mantras, lighting sage and incense, sleeping with crystals under my pillow, reading my horoscope and human design chart brought a superficial sense of healing, peace and being in control. But none of the things I did had lasting effects. I would just go straight back to feeling depressed and hopeless. These new age wellness practices could not fill this void and emptiness that I had inside. And during that era, I was in need of real deep restoration. I had just broken up with my fiance a few months before our wedding day. We were in a relationship for almost 10 years. I still hadn't processed the sexual assault that I experienced three years prior to that then getting accidentally pregnant and having an abortion because I was afraid and ashamed. I was involved with someone that wouldn't respect my sexual boundaries and his abusive behavior led me to getting pregnant a second time. And then when opting for another abortion, there were complications and I went through a miscarriage shortly after that. Trauma just kept piling on, all while none of the past pain and hurt seemed to get better with Reiki sessions, meditation minutes, hypnosis therapy, full moon rituals, and other healing practices of the New Age cult, my soul was seriously wounded. And I was trying so hard to heal in my own strength. But all these occult modalities took me down a confusing path that just got darker and darker over time. I see it so clearly now. I sought mediums, intuitive, psychics, because I had zero trust. And I wanted to be in control of my life. And that desire to know the future just stemmed from fear. At the peak of my straying, I was high on mushrooms, addicted to out-of-body experiences, and I thought I was a mermaid in a previous life. <laughs> I was so misled. It's really comical now, looking at it. Thank you, Jesus, for setting me free. 
by word of testimony. My come to Jesus moment wasn't this grand deliverance from demons. It was quiet, intimate, a conversation with a friend who shared her testimony. And all Jesus said to me then was, I am the answer you have been looking for. And right then, I knew this was the truth and that Jesus was and is the truth. Now thinking back, I'm even more emotional about this encounter. Jesus saw how exhausted I had been from seeking healing answers, meaning to my life. And in that moment, I was able to escape the hamster wheel that I'd been in. This is actually a perfect picture. Hamsters have their wheels and it's set in a cage. My wheel was the new age cult, but then I also had to get out of my cage, which represents the world. We are called to come out of the secular world because we are not of it. That's John 17, 15 through 16. And for me, coming out of the world wasn't just renouncing my involvement in new age spirituality, false god worshipping and practicing witchcraft. It also meant laying down idol worshipping, like artists, celebrities, even certain spiritual leaders, laying down sexual impurity, meaning fornication. Sex was an idol in my life as well. Cutting out casual drinking, brittle my tongue, checking my mouth that includes foul language, gossip, and death talk generally. That encounter with Jesus happened in the fall of 2020. I was baptized and became a born-again believer in spring of 2022. So for a year and a half, I was definitely lukewarm. I would go to church sporadically. I would still drink and party. I would read the Bible and still continue in sexual sin. I would worship and still listen to secular music. When God calls you to himself, your entire being and behavior isn't instantaneously changed and transformed. We have to welcome God's pruning and correction because he created us with free will. It was and is up to me to continue to die to self so that he can increase in my life and our relationship can be deepened because it is sin that separates me from my creator. Yes, there's grace for when we stumble, but I also believe there comes a time when you really just need to choose. Do you want to be a vessel that God can really use to advance the kingdom? Because it isn't just about us. Souls are at stake. Ask yourself, do you think you have time to waste being lukewarm? If you are still struggling to get your other foot out of the world, my prayer for you is that you bring all of it to the altar. The beautiful thing is we don't need to get free in our own strength. Pray, Lord, help me to stop smoking weed. Help me to stop masturbating. Help me to stop drink. Help me to stop vape, party, sleep around. I don't want to do it any longer. I don't want to be lukewarm. You continue to pray until it breaks off. And trust me, it will. It is a shame that keeps us from seeing ourselves as precious as we truly are in God's eyes. The way God has taken me from a rebellious, sexually liberated, self-acclaimed, wild, independent woman to a woman that fears the Lord is so beautiful. He is restoring me back to who he intended me to be. The woman that is underneath all of the worldly filters and pollution, I really like her. I respect her. I honor her. I am proud of her. She is so special to me. She is worth the not consuming alcohol. She is worth more than being sexually desirable. She is free of shame. She doesn't need to prove anything. She isn't relying on man's validation or praise. She no longer sees herself as a victim of sexual assault and domestic abuse.
I've experienced sexual assault on two different accounts and the one detail about Jesus crucifixion that has really helped me in healing from that type of trauma is that he himself experienced sexual abuse. He's painted with a rope around his hip area to cover his privates, but he was actually stripped naked, which is abuse and completely degrading. With any kind of trauma, I remind myself that anything I am going through, Jesus has experienced it too. As a survivor, we quickly adapt thought processes like, why is this happening to me? This is so unfair. I don't deserve this. I want justice. I'm never going to heal from this. I'm all alone in this. All my attempts to heal and my own strength failed. I thought I would never be free from the overwhelming thoughts, emotions, memories, the pain. But God's power has eradicated the hurt in my soul. There is no more anger in me, no more shame and guilt. There is no desire to see people brought to justice. I've given it all to God. Giving it all to God looked like sitting on the floor, crying out to him in pain, praying over and over, asking for prayer at church, spending time at the altar to receive prayer and healing, soaking in worship music at church or at home, and just letting all the tears flow. And then meditating on scripture like Revelation 21 verses 1 to 4. He will dwell with them and they shall be his people. And God himself will be with them. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore. For the former things have passed away. And Psalm 34, 18. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. If you really need to cry it out and receive healing, Psalms is the book for you in the Bible. What I'm about to share is more recent. God's power has tremendously accelerated my healing in the season, which I am so in awe of and grateful for. And it allows me to share this testimony with you today. I want to add a disclaimer here because Holy Spirit has convicted me to release the person that hurt me to no longer speak on his character so that I'm able to fully forgive him. Forgiveness is important because unforgiveness is a legal open door for the enemy to delay things in your life and keep you from breakthrough. I will be doing my best to just state things in a factual, neutral way and I hope it won't stir a righteous anger in you. Just as revenge isn't mine, vengeful thinking and speaking isn't yours either. So if you know me personally and spend time with me in this season, it is important to me that you refrain from just death talking him and making statements like he is just a horrible person and so on. It's not helpful in my healing. Sharing this testimony isn't about highlighting how incorrect his behavior was and to tear him down because I've come past that point already in my healing journey. I'm really just leaving justice in God's hands and I'm solely sharing this because I know the power of someone's spoken testimony. It can encourage someone in a similar situation to make a decision to leave or bring healing to someone that just got out of a situation like this one. Okay, where to begin? Um, I met my daughter's dad in summer of 2021. He was very charming, very pursuing. There was a lot of love bombing statements made like, I'm going to marry you. This is my wife to be. Even from his friends, comments were made like, he isn't like this with anyone, you are special. All I could think of was, this is all too good to be true. And I was right. As the months went on, odd things started to happen. 
him taking phone calls outside. I wasn't allowed to join him going out anymore. Even though his boys' nights weren't just boys hanging out. I was told what to and what not to wear. He unfollowed and blocked me on social media. So I wasn't able to see where he was or who he was with, who are the new people that he's following. I had multiple conversations with him stating that I did not want something casual, but an exclusive relationship, and he just played it off. Then I was made aware that he was not being exclusive with me, and I was heartbroken. He denied it. We had our first bigger argument after that, and I was given the silent treatment. And at that time, God had clearly told me to get out of the relationship, but I disobeyed. We mended things just a few months before I found out I was pregnant and the love bombing stage kind of restarted. And then fast forward to the day before I went to the doctor to get a pregnancy test, he fell asleep with his phone unlocked and something was telling me, you better check his messages and his DMs. And sure enough, I found dozens of inappropriate conversations with all sorts of women, most of which he met when at parties or at the clubs and... I was going to lock the phone and put it aside because I was already, I was shaking, I was shaking. But I felt the need to check his camera roll as well. And what I found was just beyond my imagination. There was multiple self-tapes with different women from before we met, when we just started seeing each other, to just a few weeks prior to me checking his phone. And then the pregnancy was confirmed the next morning. God had delivered me from the spirit of murder and the spirit of death and had extended his gracious forgiveness toward me after I had two abortions. So having another abortion was out of the question. But fear had me trapped. I was afraid to be a single parent. So instead of breaking up with this man that was disrespecting me, I chose to try and work things out for the sake of this child. And the confirmation of the pregnancy kickstarted that love bombing behavior in him. But it didn't take long until I supposedly did something to make him mad. I was served more silent treatment, withdrawal and abandonment. I found out he was still talking to other women, but was saying that he wasn't sleeping with anyone. I wasn't allowed to really share my pregnancy with people or on social media. Even when we went to the gym, I always had to cover up. There was one incident where I took off my shirt because I was just so hot at the gym and he just walked off without a word and basically didn't see him for a few days. I was living with a roommate, so we started then looking for another apartment to rent together, which was around Mother's Day, I think, which is when I decided to publicly announce my pregnancy on Instagram, and I did not run that post by him, and that caused him to abandon me for almost three weeks. I didn't hear from him, just nothing. And then the moving day came up and he had friends that helped. And instead of staying at the new apartment, he just dropped me there. I quickly understood that it didn't matter what I did or said. He would always find something to blame me for or be displeased about. And he missed pregnancy appointments, doula meetings. He was upset to find out that it was a girl. So instead of having this sweet moment of celebration, I was left disappointed and sad. And I spent most of the pregnancy alone. He didn't want to be seen together in public. I was supposed to cover up and not show off my body so much. And I continued to find messages between him and new other women. His partying really picked up in the summer. It became a Friday, Saturday, Sunday, sometimes Monday and Wednesday night. 
And I kept asking to do some enjoyable summer things together, like watch the fireworks or attend the Burna Boy concert because he was at the PE that summer. And he would tell me he was working and couldn't go. And then later I would find out that he had actually attended the concert and that he had lied to me about it the very next morning. Looking back, it's uncomfortable to watch myself in these moments where I was pleading with him, begging him not to go to a party because I was insecure and couldn't trust him with other women at the club. And one morning I was tidying the apartment and I found a condom in his shorts that he had just worn over the weekend. And I called him in confusion because we never used condoms. I am still perplexed that I believed his story that his friend was sleeping with someone new and he was just making jokes about him needing to be safe. So his friend threw a condom at him and he just decided to put it in his pocket and that I shouldn't worry. And I actually thought that morning, this is it, I'm breaking up with this guy. But I fell for that lie. And it's like I'm watching back a bad horror movie, honestly, you know, where you see exactly what's happening. But the main character is just so entangled and close to the picture, they can't see the full picture and put two and two together. And yes, I could blame it all on him for being manipulative. Yet releasing this testimony is also helping me forgive myself for not seeing through all these lies instantaneously and making more informed decision or making a decision to leave at all. I was suspended between I'm being disrespected and always a woman could be disrespected and we are going to have a baby, we need to make this work. Our daughter deserves two parents. I somehow had convinced him to get maternity photos done at the beach at sunset and I was excited because it was a glimpse of hope that this relationship is regular, normal. He showed up to the shoot and he showed out. He was great during the shoot. It was the first time in the pregnancy Mind you, I was seven months-ish pregnant at that point, that he was loving and physical towards me in public. So it was a big deal for me, and it really made me think, wow, things are turning around. That same evening, one of his friends came into town, so they went out to party. But that night, only his friend came home to our apartment, and he had slept somewhere else. No explanation from him. And while his friend was visiting, there seemed to be a party somewhere every night. I would barely see him. I would ask him to spend time together, go to the beach. No one needed to see us. We could just be us. He would say him and his friend are busy or he's working. Yet he would be going to the beach almost every day. Just not with me. The pregnancy was nothing like you would imagine and want it to be. I felt rejected. I felt lonely. I felt neglected. I felt not celebrated. I did not feel special. I did not feel cared for or loved. I was really struggling with this thought that this was my first pregnancy and this is such a special time and most days I was sad, depressed and crying myself to sleep. And during that time what held me together was church and the presence of God. Almost every church service I was a complete mess at the feet of Jesus, coming undone during worship, just crying and crying because of the hurt in my soul. At one point I had a bit of a pregnancy scare, I had some bleeding and bad cramping so my midwife recommended to go to the hospital and instead of him taking me to the hospital he told me he was busy at the gym and he did not even come sit with me for comfort after his workout. I was in the hospital for probably four hours before they released me and I ended up crying and speaking to my midwife about what was happening at home, his neglect, because I couldn't contain the disbelief that he didn't even care to come to the hospital 
and I needed comfort. I was embarrassed that the father of my child just didn't care. And he came to the hospital after my release and then just kept telling me that I was just overreacting and that I was fine and there wasn't anything to worry about. Displaying complete disregard for my needs and feelings. On top of that, during his friend's stay with us, he kept finding things to make just negative and rude comments about in front of his friend to humiliate me. He would comment on how my laugh sounds just to break down my self-esteem because someone that doesn't have confidence is more likely to stick around. It was probably just a month before I gave birth to my daughter that I was so fed up with his behavior that I just started messaging every single woman that he was following on his business Instagram, just stating that in case he had approached her in any disrespectful or inappropriate or sexual way, that I was sorry for his behavior and that this shouldn't be happening because he was about to be a father. And then I sent along one of the maternity photos of us and I got so many responses and a lot of them would be, oh, like he just approached me at the beach, at a party, at the gym, he was flirting. The woman would then proceed to tell him that she was in a relationship and for him to back off and he just kept being persistent. But then a woman responded with, I am so sorry, we were intimate just a month ago. And then later on, I pieced together that the night he brought her to someone else's house and slept with her was the same day we took the maternity photos. I was furious. I couldn't even look at the photos anymore. And then I confronted him with the proof of her response. And he just kept telling me that he doesn't know her and that she's lying. Then he proceeded to call her right after our conversation, trying to convince her that I am the crazy girlfriend to not listen to me and then he was trying to salvage whatever he had going on with her. A week before my daughter was born, I let my anger take over and I logged into his Instagram account to message women now from his side. And that really tipped him over the edge. That was the first time he threatened me. In short, he told me, you don't know who I am, uh, you don't know what I'm capable of, and then calling himself a psychopath in the same breath. My labor was 44 hours total, I think, and even then I felt alone. He left twice to go to work for a few hours, once while we were still at home and then once while we were at the hospital. He also watched football during my labor, holding my hand but completely distracted, and then left us at the hospital the next day for hours to go drink and watch UFC. Him being in a blissful state after her birth, like he was helpful, what felt like for the first time ever. Yet that atmosphere didn't last very long. Small things turned into arguments that would explode. He threatened me a second time, pointing his fingers like a gun to my head while I was holding my daughter. I was about to feed her. And I don't even recall how most of those explosive arguments started. If I remember correctly, it was either about me needing help and him being busy working or just being simply out and unavailable, or he would somehow take what I said as an attack on his parenting skills and capabilities. Over time, threats turned into physical abuse. I was pushed up against the door with his arm on my neck. Then I was being choked and dragged by my neck through a hallway. I thought he would throw me down the stairs and I would be done. And his personality then immediately changed right after, trying to mend what had just happened, saying we need to do better as a couple and as parents. I was almost in a haze while all of that was happening. All I could think of in those moments was Jesus knows what I'm experiencing right now. He has been through it. The abuse, the pain, that is what kept me in those moments. That is what made me get back up. A few days before that happened, I was driving and just something dropped in my spirit. The Lord said, I am with you no matter what happens next. And I was just like, okay, cool, 
that's great to know, thank you so much. I was amused because I didn't know what was coming. And the morning after the assault, I knew I had to make it to church. And looking back, I know that that was crucial to me getting out of the relationship. I needed the accountability to take action. And two weeks later, I applied for legal aid. I was on a walk and I just heard the Lord say, let's go to the police station. That was the longest walk of my life. I wanted to turn around multiple times, but Jesus just kept saying, keep going. I'm right here with you. I'm walking with you. You're not going alone. I reported this man for assault. I thought this was just good to have on record in case I do want to take further action in the future. I actually thought that I was going to walk home afterwards and enjoy a family evening with him. The interview at the police station went on for hours. And then one of the lady officers taking my statement came into the room and said, we have enough on this man. We are going to go arrest him right now. And you need to stay somewhere safe until he is in custody. I was shocked, I think, then. And this is important to mention because people say this to victims of domestic abuse all the time. Why don't you just leave? Because you develop what is called a trauma bond with your abuser. The repetitive cycles of abuse and love bombing creates this unhealthy dynamic that is hard to break out of. You are used to the lows and then addicted to the highs. And then, yeah, I felt this intense guilt come over me. How could I do this to him? How could I betray him in this way? How could I leave him vulnerable with him not knowing what was coming next? I just felt like a bad person. I had never reported anyone to the police. It was then that I understood that the compassion God had put so deeply in me was being exploited by the enemy to my own demise. And so this man was arrested and released with conditions to not contact or see my daughter and I. And then a social worker advised us to move out of our current apartment because she deemed it not safe. So since April, we have moved four times now. Um, but we've always found places to stay that have barely costed us anything or stayed with friends and people from church for free, just all by the grace of God. Trial and family conference are coming up. The season has been challenging in so many ways. There are more aspects and testimony pieces that I will share at a later time. This has taught me that being obedient to God's direction and instruction will save you from destruction. I did not listen. I didn't leave when God told me to leave. When I was ready to obey and took that first step, which was going to the police, God just swooped in. He cleared it all out in an instant. Everything came undone my whole life. God saved me yet again. He took me out of that abusive relationship and has been hiding me ever since so he can restore and strengthen me for what is next. <clears throat> I haven't heard from my daughter's father in months and he most of the time doesn't even cross my mind any longer and that is just so new to me the not meditating on everything that is wrong everything that someone has done to hurt me that was unfair because god even took that vengeance out of my heart healing and recovering with god is definitely not linear because he can heal and free you from certain things in an instant he binds up your wounds so completely that it's almost foreign to feel this emotionally stable. Emotional instability and exhaustion was my normal my entire life. 
plus add a sprinkle of societal brainwashing that women ought to be emotional because that's just how we are built. I went through every single primary emotion hidden under the secondary emotion of anger. When I first did this exercise with my counselor to look at the iceberg of anger, a diagram that encompasses all the emotions that cause anger in us, I was alarmed. There were at least 20 emotions I was actually working through at once and I thought I was just plain angry. Where I am now by the healing and restoration power of God is truly a miracle. I don't feel most of those emotions any longer. I am in complete awe of my soul's transformation. Everything I was practicing in New Age to heal in my own strength back then can't compare to the healing by God's power and the healing I am experiencing today. I was underestimating his power when it comes to restoring my nervous system. Starting in my childhood up until April, I had been walking on eggshells in all of my close relationships in my life. I am wanting to record a separate episode on narcissistic abuse. It will probably be an interview. I'm just going to touch on this briefly. Narcissistic abuse will make you believe that operating in this heightened state in fight or flight mode is normal and healthy. It completely fries your nervous system and I thought I would never be able to live in a non-reactive way and go about my day not on high alert, but God is even bigger than my nervous system. This testimony is for believers and non-believers alike, followers of Christ, being in an unequally yoked relationship, having sex outside of marriage and covenant with God, being lukewarm will lead to turmoil. I was spiritually attacked and drained because I was in this relationship and I was coming into agreement with the sin that the other person was operating in. And non-believers, my story is a prime example of all the red flags for an abusive, unhealthy relationship you should not ignore. If the person you're with is manipulating you, controlling you, making you responsible for their unhealthy behavior, makes you question if you are the crazy one, if you're remembering things correctly, is trying to isolate you, is lying to you, is disregarding and disrespecting you, leave sooner than later. Every time you allow that person back to make up and mend things, it shows that person they can get away with whatever and their behavior will worsen over time. It's like they want to see how far they can go with you and you are worth so much more. I took time the past weekend to do a self-worth journaling exercise by Ngozi, who was just my guest. It was such a beautiful morning sitting with God and me. And one of the tasks was to list my core values in order of importance and then writing down which ones I'm actually not practicing and why. And on the top of my list was reliability in relationship with others, but also with myself. This core value was part of the list of values I'm not fully practicing and revelation hit me. I can't rely on myself taking care of me because I have been operating in self-neglect in all sorts of ways and areas in my life. And it is common for someone who has experienced abuse in some way to walk in victimhood and self-neglect instead of worthiness. So in this season, I'm building trust in my relationship with God and also with myself. I'm going to be doing the things that I promised to myself. I'm going to take care of myself. And in this moment, I'm celebrating myself because I found the courage to separate myself from an abusive relationship. I am asking for help. I am capable of raising my daughter as a single parent. I show up to church, serve in choir, seek God first, still commit to a four days a week Bible study, 
record podcast episodes and interviews. I take care of my physical health. I'm investing in my health. I'm working hard to create a beautiful life for my daughter and I. I enrolled and have begun my Christian life coach certification schooling. I'm getting up every day, doing my best as a daughter of God, a mom, a friend, a business owner. I am still standing. I did not faint. And I continue to share testimony to edify and encourage others. If I could go back a year, the advice I would give myself is I'm braver, stronger, more capable than I think I am. I did not need to fear raising my daughter on my own. I'm worth more and I'm meant for more. I can trust that God has me. It's important to have people around you that hold you accountable to staying in a posture of thanksgiving, praise and grace when you are walking through a valley facing trials. Unequally yoked and sinful relationships will bring destruction in your life. And choosing to be outside of God's will for your life is going to be a disadvantage. To finish this episode, thank you, Jesus, for another year. Thank you for saving and keeping me in all the ways I needed to be saved and kept. Here is to 34 and many more testimonies. Thank you for listening to this episode. If you're going through and have gone through something similar, my DMs are always open. Don't hesitate to reach out if you need someone to talk to, prayer or encouragement. Please subscribe, rate, and share the podcast to reach more people that can benefit from hearing these testimonies and episodes. If you feel led to support the show and sow a seed, there's a link in the show notes. And I appreciate everyone that has already sown.